game is never over till the end. Deshaun Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock strikes zero. Caught DeAndre Hopkins. Touchdown, Houston. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access presented by Daikin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DaikinLovesHouston.com. D-A-I-K-I-N LovesHouston.com. Daikin. Here's the show. What is going on? Happy Friday to all of you Texans fans throughout Houston, throughout the country. Welcome in. Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, and so glad to be with you because last year at this time, we were all planning what we were going to do Friday night and then planning what we were going to do Saturday and Sunday. And it didn't include watching the Texans in a divisional playoff round. Fast forward to 2020. That's what we will be doing on Sunday. 205 Arrowhead Stadium, 71,000, make that 76,000 plus screaming Kansas City fans. Hopefully a few thousand Texans fans will be in the stands as well for divisional playoff round game. Kansas City Chiefs, 12-4, and AFC West champs, got a bye after they got some help from former Texan and former Bengal and former Ram and former Jet and former Bill and former whatever else, Ryan Fitzpatrick, as he led the Dolphins to a win over the Patriots in Week 17. And when the Chiefs won, they both finished with 12-4 and records, but because Kansas City had beaten New England, Kansas City moved to the two spot, New England fell to the three New England then had to face off with Tennessee. The Titans knocked New England out. Kansas City got the bye and awaits a visit from us on Sunday. As a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, how about that? I am your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And, of course, couldn't be more thrilled to be with you after – man, we had a great show last night. I really – I wish you could have been there out at the Houston, Texas team shop right there at NRG Stadium on the south end of the stadium. We had a great we had a great time. Really, really cool. I don't get a chance to do the live Fuddruckers shows. I only go out there when we move the Bill O'Brien show, and we do that show out there from 5 to 6. Sometimes we do that on Mondays, and sometimes we move it to Tuesdays depending on when we play the game, all that kind of stuff. So I get out there every, every now and again. But – it was kind of like the Fuddruckers crew being out, but a lot of fans. And then we gave away tickets, two tickets, trip and everything to Kansas City last night. And couple won it, and they were outside with their little baby. And she heard her name, and she just started screaming. We're like, ah, oh, I guess we know who won. So it's pretty cool. So the they'll be up there at Arrowhead. It's going to be a really cool environment. Raucous, loud. They may not like the Texans and all that, but it's playoff football, man. It's supposed to be that way. You know what Energy Stadium sounded like last time, last week? Yeah, Arrowhead's going to sound like that. It might be a little chillier, though. The forecast, which is important, because playing this game on Sunday, we may ultimately avoid having to play this game in the snow. In fact, it's raining right now in Kansas City, And then the temperature is going to drop as they get into the 
uh, 10, 11, 12 o'clock hours as we move on into early Saturday. And then it turns to snow. And it's going to snow for a while. But on Sunday, it's scheduled to be a high of 36 and a low of 21. So in the morning, we get up. Uh, we'll see our breath. I'm running inside, not outside. And a high of 36. Now, Kansas City, you can get that wind going through there. So it's going to be breezy and cold in that Arrowhead Stadium. So if you're going, bundle up. But because the game's on Sunday, maybe we avoid that snow. Now, maybe that snow gets pushed into Sunday. Who knows? Maybe the, the snow ends up being not an issue at all. It just kind of piles up on the sidelines. Who knows? Last year when they played the division around playoff game against the Colts, it snowed before the game and then intermittently throughout the game. And I don't know that it was a huge – the snow I don't think was a huge factor, but the field was. You could see snow on the field, but it was muddy. The sidelines were kind of a mess, which obviously I have to deal with. So it was a little – it was a little kind of crummy, if you will. We'll see what it's like on Sunday, but it's playoff football, man. It's almost as if you – I almost sort of welcome it, to be honest. I mean, not to the point where I want something bad to happen to the Texans on a sloppy field, but it's like it's playoffs, man. I think about the ice bowl. I think about all these great games that have been played in zero-degree temperatures or played on fields where they can, you can see the grass stains, a little bit of mud on the jersey. That's the way playoff football is supposed to be. And that's what it will be in Kansas City. Now, I will tell you. I am, I straight up love indoor football in January, you know, when there's rain on the horizon, those kind of things, or it's really, really, really cold. So I loved Energy Stadium last week. That was awesome. But you know what? You go to Kansas City, you got to bundle up a little bit. There might be some snow. You might have some snowballs thrown at you. That's kind of the fun of playoff football. So I'm looking forward to that on Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. Okay, what do we got on the show for you this evening, well, I'm going to make all my predictions for games of the other three games. How did we get here? How did we get to Vikings v. 49ers, Titans v. Ravens, and also Seahawks v. Packers? We'll do that next. We'll also have my First Community Credit Union, First Glance, keys to the game. We'll have that for you as well. And Mark is going to stop by on the show this evening and give his thoughts. It's the fourth division round game that he is going to call. It's my second. So I missed the first two uh, in which faced the Ravens in Baltimore and then the Patriots in New England. But I was there in 2016. We faced the Patriots and put on one heck of a defensive performance. But too many mistakes in the end cost us. And now we've got this one against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So we'll get Mark's thoughts on that. Later in the show, we will get... Justin Reed. I have to make sure I say Justin because if I say Andy, that's, well, I don't want Andy Reed on the show this week. I want Justin Reed on the show. So for our final word this evening with Drew Doherty, it is Justin Reed who is going to play a significant role in this game. We'll talk a little bit more about why in just a second. But on a Friday, we always kick it off with some hot reads. They're brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And our first hot read is always a visit with the head coach of your Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. Mark Vandermeer caught up with him earlier today. Coach, everyone talks about Patrick Mahomes, and for a good reason, but the Chiefs can also hurt you in the running game. What about that dimension of what they bring offensively? 
Definitely. Um, you know, they run a lot of RPOs. They've got three backs that are really good. Um, and they do a good job. They do a good job of mixing the run in. They have different schemes. They run outside. They run inside. So, you know, basically in this type of game where you're going up against an offense like this, it's really about, you know, getting the call, getting communicated, getting lined up, play that play, play the next play, do as good a job as you can on third down. I think third down is going to be a big stat in the game. You know, our ability to get off the field on third down, our ability to stay on the field. On, th- th- these two teams – uh, I think we have the least amount of three and outs in the in the league this year, and they have the second least amount of three and outs in the league this year. So I think that's going to be a big stat third down. What about when Mahomes pulls off that first or second option and improvises in the passing game? How hard is it to get ready for that? Yeah, I mean, there's a you know that's kind of the deal, right? They're probably they're probably asking Andy Reid the same thing about Deshaun. I mean, any time you know you have a play that's called in a huddle, and then there's the play that actually happens, right? right. So. Um, you know, I think we've got to do as good a job as we can of being disciplined in our pass rush lanes and try to do, you know, do a good job of keeping them in the pocket. How much of the game plan is trying to figure out how they might try to play you differently this time because you did have some success running the ball last time? Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to have to see what it is. I mean, they're definitely better on defense than October. I think that's why you're in the playoffs, right? You've improved during the year. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see what it is. We'll have to see, you know, how they're playing and, and what their package is and uh, what their scheme is and try to adjust accordingly. Might be some wind, so how does that factor into the kicking game when you're trying to force a return or not just go for the touchback, or maybe it's hard to go for the touchback if the wind is in the wrong direction? Yeah, I, th- I think the kicking game is most affected by the weather. There's no doubt about that, than the passing game. But I think the, the, the kicking game will be a big factor. It's important for us to get over there, get on the bus, get over to the stadium, see what the weather's like on game day. I don't think you can predict it right now. You can say what it might be. and. You know, we're, we we got a lot of weather experts around here, but, uh, you know, until you actually see what it is, uh, you know, you have to adjust accordingly. All right, you talked about third down, but what about the biggest keys to victory? Look, I think you just talked about it a little bit. I think that, uh, you know, it's ability to run the ball, ability to stop the run, keep Mahomes in the pocket. I think special teams will play a big factor in the game, and I think turnovers will play a big factor in the game. If, if we can take care of the ball and maybe get a couple takeaways, you know, we'll be in the ball game. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Fanny. Appreciate it, Coach, for popping by on the show on this Friday evening. Remember, Coach's show, Monday, 5 to 6 p.m. All right, let's get to our next hot read and last hot read, and that is the injury report. Some good news, some bad news, and everything mixed in. Limited participants today in practice, all questionable. Jalila Dye, Jordan Akins, Keon Crossan, Jonathan Joseph, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, of course. Game time decision, Coach talked about that. Did think maybe but he obviously isn't going to tip his hand but also showing up today which bothers me a little bit is Darren Fells the first day he showed up on the injury report this week and ugh, I hate that because last week Jordan Aiken showed up with a hamstring and then he was out Fellsy showed up today with a hip he is questionable good news Jacob Martin AJ Moore JJ Watt all full participants all ready to go for the Chiefs Morris Claiborne's out wasn't really doing a whole lot for the team. The two questionables are the big ones. Travis Kelsey dealing with a bruised knee. I would think he's going to be in. But the one to keep an eye on is the guy who missed week six, and the Chiefs fans have been talking about him coming back for this game, is Chris Jones, dynamic defensive tackle. He has been questionable with a calf. He was limited in practice on Thursday, and that is apparently when it happened. He did not practice on Friday now that doesn't mean that he won't play but he had a similar injury in week six of the Texans it didn't play and it was a factor we'll see if that turns into being out in this one but right now he is questionable as is Travis 
Kelsey. So there is your injury slash status report. Okay, when we get back, it's time for my prediction. Straight up and against the spread for the three games. Let's break them down. Let's do that next right here on Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and Southern reporter. And glad to be with you. And as I mentioned coming out of the last segment, I, each and every Friday, have got to make all my predictions straight up and against the spread. And now that we are into divisional weekend, we still have four games. And since your Texans are involved in one, I will never pick that game. Can't pick heart, head, can't go against it. So you know how I'd pick no matter what the spread is. Spread can be 27,000. I still would pick the Texans to win and to cover. And down deep, I feel like that's what the Texans will do. They will win, and if they win, they will cover the nine-and-a-half-point spread. It's the largest spread this weekend for any playoff game. Yikes, it's weird. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't, I don't know. It, I don't get it. I don't get it. The Texans actually should have won that game by more than seven. Now that I think about it. Remember, DeAndre Hopkins dropped a pass that would have been a touchdown. He never drops a pass. Will Fuller had his hands on at least three balls that could have been touchdowns. So there was that. But either way, it's a nine and a half point spread. Now, the Baltimore line has moved. So let's get into these three other games in chronological order. And let's start out in San Francisco. But before we go there, I need my music. Are you ready with my music, Maestro? Yes, you are. And there it is. So let's get into the first game of the weekend. And that will take place at 335 Central Time, 135 out west. And it's out west where we go. The Minnesota Vikings taking on the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers had a bye as the number one team in the NFC. The Vikings pulled a massive upset. How? Well, it sounded a little like this. Yeah, Rudolph up here at the top. Cousins throws. Pass is caught for the win. Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings are moving on. But even better than that was the call of Paul Allen, play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Take a listen. Shotgun, Dalvin Cook to his left. Third and goal from the four. Kirk takes the snap, looks right, fade left, end zone, and it is caught! Touchdown! Amazing decision by Kirk Cousins. He saw the all-out blitz. He knew he had Rudolph one-on-one with the corner. Rudy! And just threw the jump ball. Oh, what a beautiful throw. Bonjour, Bonjour, San Francisco, and au revoir, New Orleans Saints. Bonjour, San Francisco, au revoir to the New Orleans Saints. It was That was fantastic. That was one heck of a call. He'd been sitting on that one for a little while. Now, in this one, San Francisco's favored by seven. But the Vikings went to New Orleans last week, and that was a confident, physical football team. Dalvin Cook ran really well. But the defense was key. The defense got all kinds of heat on Drew Brees, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter. I don't know that the 49ers offensive front can handle all the Vikings will throw at it. However, 
It's a Kyle Shanahan offense. They'll find different wrinkles. So, in this one, I'm going with the 49ers to win and host the NFC Championship game the following weekend. But I do think the Minnesota Vikings will get into that number. They will get into the seven. It will be close. This will not be a pretty football game. I'm not sure what the weather's going to be, but it's not going to be a pretty football game. This is going to be two teams physically going at it. And they're very similar to one another. However, I do think Minnesota's offensive line a little better than San Francisco's is. Jimmy Garoppolo can move a little bit. Kirk Cousins, not as much. That might be a factor in this. George Kittle, a big one on the San Francisco side. And San Francisco will find somebody to run the football. But in the end, that will be what it takes. San Francisco will come out with the W, but Minnesota will get inside the 7. Now, playoff time, you don't really care about that. But those people that do care about that, if you know what I mean, they'll like seeing Minnesota get inside that 7. The Saturday night nightcap. Is that right? Saturday. I was going to say Saturday nightcap. I was a little redundant. The Saturday nightcap is the Titans taking on the Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium. Baltimore is a 10-point favorite. A lot of people thought this would be Houston or Buffalo. It ended up being the Titans who put a capper on the win over New England with this. Brady's pass, it's intercepted and returned for a touchdown by Logan Ryan, the former Patriots. Logan Ryan going into his former team's building with a game-clinching interception. Titans win 20-13 to move on to the next round against the Ravens in an offense that has been motoring all year. Virtually unstoppable and one of the more unstoppable aspects of this offense is Lamar Jackson throwing it to Mark Andrews. And the birthday boy this week, Lamar Jackson, spoke of the rapport that Lamar has with the tight end, Mark Andrews, who led the league in tight end touchdown receptions. Yeah, uh, we just, like you said, you know, we've been playing street ball. But not just with Mark, you know, it's all, got, all our guys. You know, we're just getting a lot of chemistry as the season went on. We just got a lot more comfortable for the feel of the game, you know, we Mark do a great job at reading the defense, knowing when they zone and you know, they, he have room. And I fill it out because I'm dropping back and I'm seeing it. So I just throw in the window and he just do whatever he do. Boy, they've been getting it going this year. There's no question about that. But the key in this game is going to be whether Mark Ingram can be out on the field. Mark Andrews will be. But Mark Ingram may not be. He's been dealing with an injury that has bothered him the last few weeks of the year. And this rest may not have gotten him ready. However... I think that actually makes Baltimore more dangerous with Gus, get on the Gus bus, Edwards, and Justice Hill, the rookie out of Oklahoma State. I think those two together are actually a little bit more dangerous in combination to go against that Titans defense. Now, a lot's been made of the Titans goal line stand last week against the New England Patriots, and oh, the Titans defense is this. Man, the Texans and the Saints lit up the Titans defense in weeks 15 and 16. And then the Titans came here and beat our, you know, our backup guys. And everybody's like, oh, the Titans. And the Titans then held the Patriots to 13 points. Like, okay. Nearly everybody did. Nope. The, the Patriots didn't do much this year. I think this is going to be a blowout. Now, I know you're listening going, John, you haven't liked the, the Titans all year. Pretty much. Even when they made a change. Uh, look, I'll give them credit. 
when they had Derrick Henry rolling, A.J. Brown, like, it, that offense got rolling. And the defense played better. Jeffrey Simmons, it, next year I think the Titans are going to be something to deal with. They'll get another draft in there. They might send a free agent here or there. But I just don't think they've got a shot of stopping Lamar Jackson and this offense. Lamar, now, there might be a little bit of rust because Lamar hasn't played since week 16. But the Ravens are going to get back to physical play. They're going to have a few different wrinkles the Titans haven't seen. And Dean Pease, the last time that he saw Greg Roman was in the Super Bowl when Pease was the defense coordinator for the Ravens and Greg Roman was the offense coordinator for the 49ers and Dean Pease came out ahead. That will not happen this time. John Harbaugh and the and the Ravens and Lamar Jackson will trounce the Titans big time and get ready to host the AFC Championship game. The spread is 10. Lay them. I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens over 10 to beat the Tennessee Titans. Now, I know that stinks for us in Houston because you're thinking, man, if the Titans win, the Texans win, and an AFC Championship could be here, that would be fantastic. But it won't happen because the Ravens are going to take care of business. Then you have the Texans and Chiefs at 2.05 on Sunday. And as we fly home, hopefully with a W, everybody else will be watching Seahawks v. Packers. And last week, a tough, brutal game in Philadelphia. And Beast Mode showed up with one of the key plays of the game. So Lynch is in. First and goal from the five. Marshawn Lynch. Can he fight his way in? Yes, he can. For the touchdown. We're all thinking the same thing. It's like Yeah, everybody was thinking the same thing. Why didn't you hand it to him four years ago? Five years ago. Well, maybe five years ago, if you could have thrown a ball to DK Metcalf, good things would have happened. Because in the second half, well, Russell Wilson looked up DK Metcalf. Wilson. Deep downfield, getting free and making the grab this Metcalf in for the touchdown. Goes down, gets up, and takes it into the end zone. And then on third and long late, with an opportunity to get the ball back, the Eagles went cover zero, and Wilson found Metcalf again. Three receivers to the right. Straight cover zero. Here come the Eagles. And Wilson's going to go deep downfield, and you've got an open man in Metcalf to the 50-yard line. And that, in all likelihood, will write a finish to this one. And a few minutes later, it was over. 17-9, the Seahawks come away with the victory. And now they head to Green Bay. And the last time the Seahawks and Packers played in Green Bay, Matt Hasselbeck was the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. The coin toss for overtime, well, he made a little bit of a declaration. Seattle has won the toss. We won the ball, we're going to score. He was sort of right. Somebody did score, but it was the Packers. Al Harris, who returned an interception for a touchdown to win that playoff game. Well, five years ago, the Packers played the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game, and the Packers dominated most of that game. And then an ill-fated onside kick went the way of the Seahawks. The game would go into overtime. And Russell Wilson, well, he made magic happen. Wilson toward the end zone. It is caught. Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Jermaine Curse. 
Now the scene shifts to Lambeau Field where the Packers earned a bye this year, finishing 13-3. and And I can promise you, after watching them in preseason practice, I did not see that coming. Now Vegas has them as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And a lot of times when you see a three to, or a four- to five-point favorite in the NFL, Vegas isn't quite sure what to expect. Seattle played very well at Philadelphia. They can play and have played extremely well on the road, but doing it twice in two weeks. Now, they get a little bit of a break like us. They didn't have to play until Sunday, and then they're playing at Sunday night. I don't believe weather's going to be a huge factor, but Seattle, they play in weather up there in the packed Northwest. I am going upset special right here. I've got the 49ers to beat the Vikings straight up, Vikings to cover. I got the Ravens blowing out the Titans and covering at 10. And I've got the Seahawks with an upset win. Russell Wilson goes back to the state of Wisconsin, and the Seahawks beat the Packers, upsetting the Packers and setting up round three in San Francisco against the 49ers. Gear up, the Seahawks will win that game and obviously cover that four and a half point spread. All right, the one game I didn't talk about is the one I will talk about next. It's the one you want to hear about. Texans v. Chiefs. What are the first community, first glance, keys to the game against the Chiefs? I will go into those next right here on Texans All Access. It is time for our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. First community credit union, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Chiefs, Texans, 205 Sunday Cannot wait. Week six, we know what happened in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. Texans came away with a 31-24 to win. They meet again. And a lot has been made about how these two teams are so different. In particular, the Chiefs. The Chiefs are so different. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into our keys to the game. And let's start with the Kansas City Offense, your Texans defense. Let's get it kicked off. Three, two, one. Key number one has got to be Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes rolling away, gets out of the pocket, across his body. What else is new? <laughs> Tyreek Hill makes the catch. We've seen it all year long. First down. And yes, we all know what Patrick Mahomes can do. 50 touchdowns plus last year, threw for 26 this year, but he missed a few games. We know he's one of the most talented young quarterbacks in the NFL. But the key has got to be keeping him in the well. Yes, he can make every throw possible, and he can make a throw from a condensed well, but force him to do it. What happens when he gets out of the well? Well, he does this like he did against the Chargers earlier this year. Third down and four. Mahomes out to his left in trouble and going backward. Trying to make a play, and he does. The brilliance of Mahomes. He finds Damian Williams for a first down. The Chargers do a great job in terms of getting pressure on him, but they lose contain. They're on the outside, and... With Mahomes able to get to the edge and the receivers working back towards him. And that obviously is the risk you run 
When you don't keep Patrick Mahomes in the well, he gets out of the pocket, and then you heard Troy Aikman say right at the end there, his receivers work with him. You've got to keep him in the well. Outside of the pocket, huge plays happen. Inside the pocket, he's going to make some throws. Don't get me wrong. But I'd rather him have to do it from a condensed well than being able to allow his receivers to get with him on the scramble drill and defensive linemen are chasing him all over Arrowhead Stadium. Next key. Three, two, one. The pick plays are coming. If you don't believe me, remember what happened early in the game against the Chiefs the first time? Third and six, Chiefs at their 13, Mahomes in the gun, one back. Here's the snap, Mahomes with a little time, swings it out, left side, first down, 20, 25, 30, 40, 45, 50, and finally Reed's going to hustle the receiver out of bounds, left side as leaking out of the backfield was Darrell Williams. Now, it won't be Darrell Williams this time because Darrell Williams has been on IR. But on that particular play, Travis Kelsey came down and picked off the linebacker that was had the responsibility of covering Daryl Williams, and they just flipped it out to Williams out wide. Kelsey made a block. It was man coverage. Big pick play. Now, Bill O'Brien did challenge it, and they ended up getting a flag on the Chiefs later for an offensive pass interference, but I'm telling you, with the man-to-man coverage, the Texans will play. Secondary and linebackers must stay on different levels and communicate to make sure they don't get picked off by Travis Kelsey or on routes that are designed to get Kelsey open. That was a 52-yard gain early in the game and really got the Chiefs' offense rolling and got them, like you heard, it's third and six from the 13-yard line. That got them out from the shadow of their goalpost, so to speak, and got them going. Man-to-man coverage, there will be pick routes. There's no way around it. Communication has, has been much, much better. They have not gotten picked off. But the Chiefs are excellent at doing this, and you know that they're coming. Be ready. Beware. Next key. Three, two, one. I always say this about the keys. I don't know if there's any particular order to them. We hit on Mahomes. We talk about pick plays. The most dangerous player on the field every time he steps on the field is Tyreek Hill. Mahomes with time going deep. Has a man open. Got him in stride. Tyreek Hill touchdown. When he last faced the Texans, it was the first game that he had been back in about five or six weeks. He had been out since the opener. He got hurt against Jacksonville and then played in that game against the Texans, and we really didn't know what exactly he was going to do. Then he did this early on. Two receivers to each side. Oh, we had moving on the Texans' side, it appears. Mahomes back to pass. He's got all day. He's going to throw downfield to the end zone, and it's caught by the Cheetah, and he gets across the goal line for a touchdown. Unbelievable. A free play. Are you Somehow Tyreek Hill catches the ball in traffic and scores. He had two touchdowns in that game. That was the first on the first drive. Now, the Patriots in the AFC Championship game last year did a whale of a job of taking Tyreek Hill away because they had no shame at all in doubling Tyreek Hill. And sometimes that was Keon Crossan on Tyreek Hill. 
but there was a corner and there was a safety wherever Tyreek Hill went, and the Patriots dared the, the Chiefs to throw the ball to somebody else. They dared Sammy Watkins to beat them. They dared Travis Kelsey. I don't know if I – maybe daring is the wrong word, but they were just not going to let Tyreek Hill beat them. In Week 17, in a game the Chiefs had to have, the Chargers had the game at 24-21. And they put Hill in the slot, and they caught the Chiefs in a, in a coverage in which the linebacker had to travel with Hill up the field. And because the safeties kind of got turned around, got too wide on one side, and one safety turned the wrong way, it was one-on-one coverage on a linebacker. A linebacker, predictably, Hill caught the ball, he would end, they would end up scoring a few plays later, and they would win that game against the Chargers, and that was the capper score. Tyreek Hill needs to be doubled as much as possible. Now, Bradley Roby has seen him before and covered him one-on-one before. He's had some success. So I do think there are times when you may have to go one-on-one, and Roby's got to be that guy. But you don't want to live like that a lot. If you've got to take Tyreek Hill completely away, do it. Absolutely with out question do it take that and take him out of this game with double coverage bracket coverage whatever you got to do do not let him have a severe impact on this game let's get to our next key three two one one of the staples in an Andy Reid offense screens screens are huge how big are they and how important are they? Late in the game against the Ravens with a five-point lead, clock winding down, needing a first down to run out the clock. Andy Reid called this screen. Third and nine. Mahomes, pump, throw underneath, caught by Williams, Darrell Williams. Oh, he's got it! A first down! And that'll do it. Darrell Williams would take that and get the first down, and the game was essentially over. They like the screens. The Texans did an excellent job on the screen late in the game when DJ Reader and Carlos Watkins tracked down Shady McCoy. But they will use the screens in a multitude of ways. And they'll lull you to sleep. They may not have one for a quarter or two or maybe even three, but in the fourth quarter, they're coming to a screen. They're going to find a way to get a drive starter or a key play off of a screen. Be ready. And finally... My fifth and final key on defense. Three, two, one. Bring everybody to the tackling party. If not, this will happen to you. First and ten, Damian Williams. Blocked by Kelsey. Blocked by Whitfield. Oh, and he spins free. There he goes. It's a foot race. Perriman trying to get him. There he goes for six. Galloping 84 yards. Well, this is one that you just shake your head at. And you just look at, they've got three defenders. One, two, three. They're all right there. They all get a piece of him. And somehow he finds a way to twist and spin and kick out of this and go 84 yards for a touchdown. That is a great run and terrific effort by Damian Williams. Wow. The Chiefs averaged 98 yards a game on the ground. That's 23rd in the NFL. Damian Williams went 84 against the Chargers on that one run. Why? Because the Chargers didn't wrap up. They didn't finish the tackle. 
and then, and most importantly, five, I counted them, five Chargers stopped on the play thinking it was over, and Damian Williams kept it going. He's not the best running back in the league, but he runs hard, and he will run through everybody that gives him arm tackles. And he did that twice against the Chargers. That cannot happen. All right, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball for our offensive keys. Three, two, one. To me, a key on Sunday is balance. Having balance in nearly everything that you do. And that, I think the Texans showed against the Buffalo Bills on Saturday. On their first scoring drive, they started it with this. First down, Texans at the Houston 25-yard line. Watson calls for the ball. Gets the snap. Handoff Duke. Starting left, cutting right, 30. And he's twisted down at the 35-yard line. It looks like he's got enough for the first down. A 10-yard run for Duke. And then a little while later when they needed to go to the air, they did this. Third down and eight at the Buffalo 30. Watson to the gun. Here's the snap. Here's pressure. Deshaun hit as he throws right side. He's got a man. Nuke at the 20-yard line. Out of bounds there. It's a first down for the Texans. And then they peeled back another layer of the run game with Deshaun Watson. First down at the Bills 20. Split backs. Watson in the gun. Deshaun calls to the ball. Keeper. Right side. Watson. 15. Watson cutting inside. 10. The 5. Still going down to the goal line. Rock and roll. Touchdown. Deshaun Watson on the run. Balance in the offensive attack. Balance in each category. Different types of runs. Hitting all levels in the passing game. Keep the Chiefs guessing because of the balance that you can bring to the offensive game plan on Sunday. Let's get to our next key. Ooh, it's the Honey Badger. Three, two, one. I have been a huge Tyron Matthew fan from the time I saw him at LSU wearing a number 14. He continues to make plays, and he's been making more of them for the secondary in the last six games. He has three interceptions for the Chiefs in the last six games, including this one in Week 17 against Phillip Rivers. Up the middle they come. And downfield he goes. It's picked off by Matthew. Tyron Matthew. Big time interception. Maybe the Chiefs MVP. The way he has played this year. And they were going for Williams in the end zone. He certainly has been a little bit freer to make plays. So one of the things about Tyron, because he does float near the line of scrimmage, because he does end up back in the back with coverage, You've got to know where he is at all times, and you have to figure out what his responsibility is. Is he up there as a force or contained player against the run? Who does he have in man coverage? How can you take advantage of him? Is he going to blitz? You've got to account for him after figuring out what you think he's going to do. Now, with no Juan Thornhill, they may use him more in the back as a true safety and use Armani Watson, Daniel Sorensen as blitzers. That's fine. Tyron is a guy that you better know where he is. And when he's floating in the, in the uh, secondary, you got to make sure that you Deshaun uses his eyes to try and fool Matthew as much as possible. He is really good playing center field, and that was the case there in that interception against Phillip Rivers. Next key. Three, two, one. This one's pretty straightforward and one that I th- have thought about for a long time. Get the ball to Deshaun's hand, and let's go. Back against Kansas City, Atlanta, in those games earlier in the year, 
there were times where Deshaun would snap it, they would snap it to him, and he'd make the read, and boom, balls out, balls out, balls out. And they just went. Runner pass, let's go. Let's pick up our play speed. Let's pick up our tempo. Let's turn up the volume and don't allow Frank Clark and Terrell Suggs to get in rhythm rushing the passer from the edge. If they're starting to kind of get in rhythm, they're going to get back there and make life really, really difficult. That we have to try and take away from them. That we can do with our tempo, how fast we are doing everything offensively. Now, I'm not saying be sloppy and just go fast, go fast. I'm saying go fast with everything that you're doing. All of your actions need to be fast. Everything needs to be quick. And maybe even your tempo, too. All right, let's get to our next key. Three, two, one. Can the Chiefs cover the Texans running backs out of the backfield? That sounds easy. It sounds easy. Hey, cover a back out of the backfield, right? Well, the last time Kansas City tried to do that, it didn't go exceptionally well as Duke ended up scoring on a touchdown catch and had some big plays. His biggest may have been in the first quarter against the New England Patriots. On third and three, Watson takes the snap. Deshaun stepping out to the right, throwing right side. He's got Johnson at the five. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. The Texans grab the lead late in the first quarter. And then Saturday on third and 18, well, they found him again. Third and 18 for the Houston 19. Watson gets the snap. Watson in trouble. Watson steps out to the left, throws downfield, and he's got a man across the 35 and dives up to the 37-yard line, close to a first down. It looks like he's got it. It's Duke out of the backfield. Got it. And he picks up the first down on third and 18. Forced the Chiefs to have to cover. Duke Johnson and also Carlos Hyde. Carlos is a heck of a pass receiver, too. Have those linebackers slash safeties have to cover Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde in the passing game. I don't think they can do it. And if you catch them in base looks, that's when you can hit them with passes and really, really hurt them. Speaking of throwing a ball and hurting them, let's get to our final key. Three, two, one. And that would be Kenny Stills. Kenny didn't play in the game against Kansas City the first time dealing with a hamstring that he had hurt in the Carolina game, so he had missed a couple of games. He worked out before the game, thought maybe, but no. He ended up not playing in that particular game. Hopkins and Fuller, they picked up the slack that day. Now, the last time that we were able to see all of them on the field together, that was against Tennessee. Now, I don't know if we're going to see Will Fuller on Sunday, and I'm hoping that we do. But when Tennessee was forced to make a decision about who they were going to try and take away, especially in the red zone, well, they made the wrong choice. Second and 10 at the Tennessee 12. Watson puts the leg down. Here's the snap. Deshaun looking, firing to the end zone, and caught! Stills! Rock and roll! Touchdown, Houston! And then a little while later, he did it again. Third down and about two at the 16-yard line of Tennessee. Duke Johnson in the backfield, Watson at the gun. Three receivers wide side right. Here's the snap to Deshaun. Looking. Passing to the end zone right side. Stills again. Touchdown, Houston. I would love to hear touchdown, Houston, Kenny Stills on Sunday as many times as we can do it. Would absolutely love to hear it. And I think Kenny ends up being a huge factor. He may not catch five, six, seven balls. That was the thing against Tennessee. He only caught three passes. But of those three, two where touchdowns, Kenny Stills is a huge key for Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, we get back. Mark steps in studio, and we talk 
about this massive game on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Keep it right here for Texans All Access. Welcome back to the second hour of Texans All Access on this Friday evening. Hopefully you are dry, safe, not getting knocked over by any sort of wind or weather. You guys stay safe out there if you're traveling, if you're at home, whatever the case might be. Well, we're going to keep you company. And when I say we, I mean me, John Harris, your host, and the voice of the Texans. Mark Vandermeer, we catch up each and every Friday just to kind of gauge how we're feeling about the game this weekend. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Johnny. In fact, uh, you talk about weather. You know, during severe weather, this place is, uh, I would say it's a great place to be. You know, I don't know what's going on outside when I'm in this building. It's no like idea. being in a cave. You know, it could be 100 degrees. It could be 30 degrees. I have no clue. It could be raining, snowing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than Hurricane Ike, which affected the roof here yeah. in 2008, remember, it damaged the roof. The roof had to be open the whole year. Yeah. Guess what the home record was that year? It was good. Six and two. Yeah. Yeah. So They went 12 and four over a two-year span, and the roof was open a bunch, but I do agree that it is louder with it closed. Oh, yeah. And I don't no blame the coaches for, and they haven't said this officially, but I wouldn't blame them about the sun, wind, whatever else comes in there. Because when you're thinking like, well, we could have perfect conditions and loud or risk imperfection. And for those who like the roof open, I get it. But I can't believe I turned this into a roof open thing. But for those who are in the sun when it's like 80 degrees or 75 or more, you're baking. Well, do you think the roof will be closed in Kansas City? I think the roof's going to be open in Kansas City. There's a good chance. Didn't they once? Oh, they talked about a possible roof when they were renovating Arrowhead Stadium. If there is a place that probably could use it, they have some serious weather games. Because they can get some pretty spicy weather in the summer in addition to having some interesting days like apparently this weekend is going to be. Yeah. In in Kansas City. So last year, before they played the Colts in the divisional round, right. they had a huge snowstorm, and it actually snowed at different points during the game. Yes. The field was a quagmire. It I think just, that affected the Colts greatly. The Colts are such think, an indoor team, and that yeah. really affected them. And I think they would have done a lot better in that game. Not to apologize for the Colts here, yeah, but yeah. they would have done a lot better in that game. Drew Doherty's over here watching us do this, mm-hmm. and he's smirking. Yeah. Smirking. Mark Vandermeer, the uh, – Mark Vandermeer, the Colts apologist. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, I've never nickname. been. I've new never nickname. been called Mark that. Mark Vandermeer, Colts apologist. It's well. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna start that. It, but you're right. In that game, here's the thing. Everybody's talked about. Oh, the Texans have to start well. The Texans have to start well. You know, the Colts didn't start well in that game either. However, I went back and I watched that game because I was I was curious. Wait, the Colts Kansas City game? Yeah, the divisional mm. round last year after they'd beaten us. What about the Colts Kansas, Kansas City game this year? We'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay, but. In that, they fell down. They fell behind fourteen nothing, like bang bang, mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, sound familiar? I mean, that's what we right. did. But then they blocked the punt right near halftime, recovered it for a touchdown, and all of a sudden they're like back in that thing. Right. But what the Colts didn't do in that game was the Colts didn't stick to what had gotten them there, and that was running the football. Right. They didn't. They wanted to throw the football. They were running some play action, zone read, you know, play action stuff. In the bad weather. Yeah, in the bad weather. And it was like, get Marlon Mack behind those big dudes up front. And they just, just ran hammer. for 200 on us or whatever. Yeah. And I couldn't understand why they didn't do that, especially when they had opportunity. And then they get to the second half, and now it's 24 7. Now they're running the damn football. Now mm. they're running it. And it's like, why weren't y'all doing that ahead of time? And that just leads me to the fact that, you know, face the Chiefs with the Texans. They can hurt you a lot of different ways. Texans offense can hurt you a lot of different ways. And it's funny because I've been asked this question a lot. I wasn't totally sure how to 
how to handle it. And then Deshaun got asked this question the other day about the what's the style of the Houston offense? Like, what's your offensive style? And he's like, well, we really don't have one. He's like, we can run zone read and kind of finesse stuff. We can run some power stuff. We can throw it down the field. We can throw short stuff. We can throw screens. And it just got me thinking, like, hmm, they've got a nice potpourri of offense that they right. can pull out for whatever they're going to face. But what do you do this week? What do you do? I run the football, Johnny. I did it last time, and I think you have to find creative ways to do it. That doesn't mean just pound it in there, first, yeah. second, third down, but it means that you might have to – you could come out throwing, but eventually you're going to get to that steady diet yeah. of Hyde, of Johnson. I want to mix it up with those guys. And, again, there's no tomorrow, so there's no Monday if you don't win Sunday. So right. go ahead and let's run Deshaun carefully, but yes. let's have him make some plays with his legs. And remember, you did move the ball on them last time, and you won the football game. I know they were down 17-3. to You can't afford to, to do that again. We all get that. But the Chiefs statistically do yield some yards on the ground. Yep. So do the Texans, okay? This yep. has happened from time to time this year. I just think it's the playoffs. Whoever obviously plays the best for that 60 minutes is going to move on. And I think the best chance the Texans have is to mix it up. But I want the ground game to be a big part of it. I think, Johnny, if they win on Sunday – we're sitting here on Monday, Texans Monday, 8 to 10 a.m., Sports Radio 610. We're going to sit here and we're going to talk about 125 to 150 rushing, rushing yards for the Texans. I don't, think, I don't think they win it without doing that. That's Correct. possible, of course, but yeah. I think that's the formula for them, in addition to a bunch of other things. But that's the steady diet right there. That's, fun. that's your meat and potatoes. Then you can add some of the sides, the other sides, and everything yeah. else. Yeah. Where does Will Fuller fit as a side in your particular offense? He's lobster he's mac and cheese. Play. Lobster mac and <laughs> cheese. No, because I could still have a great meal without lobster mac and cheese. I really can. That's a good point. But lobster mac and cheese kind of takes it up to another level, doesn't it? <sighs> you're making me hungry. Right it really now. does. It we really does. Dinner I mean, time. Look, I could have meat, potatoes, an excellent salad, really tasty. I, I'm, you know, forget about like when I say potatoes. If I'm going out to a steakhouse, I'm not having mashed potatoes. I'm going to order either really great fries that they might have, like the yeah. steak fries or something like that. I don't want, and, and I don't like the cheesy potatoes either. But so I could have excellent whoa, whoa, fries. Whoa, hold I could on. Have, yeah, I don't, you don't like the like a cheese like an au gratin potato. No, no, no au gratin. Oh, that, my wife too made much. an au gratin potato for Thanksgiving or for uh, well, that's thanks- for Christmas. No, yeah, for Christmas. well, that's a big holiday. It was unbelievably good. She never made them before, and I was like. Babe, I've known you for how many years, and you're just now making these for me and for us? That's a carb That's, fest, Johnny. It is a carb fest, but I, I ran that day. Yeah, I and ran, you better bring Carlos Hyde a lot up the middle if you're going to have a carb fest. Yeah. and, and Actually, that's protein. I think I think Hyde's going to play a big role in this game. I think Duke Johnson, I said this earlier in my keys to the game, I think Duke plays a really significant role. And I think we saw that against Buffalo. The one thing that Duke does, and... Carlos exacts a punishment on a defense just because he is so physical and he is downhill and those knees are just chopping like Roger Craig. I mean, they are just pistons firing. But Duke is, I mean, he's so quick and he gets on defenders so fast. And at 5'9", if I'm being generous, about 5'9", 5'10", he kind of hides behind and I remember the run he had against Kansas City the first time. Max Sharping is pulling around. You've been around Max. Max blocks out the doorway. Right. Well, Duke just kind of stuck behind Max. You can't see Duke. And then, bang, he hits the gas. And all of a sudden, he's on those second-level defenders. He's on those linebackers, and they don't have a chance. And Duke's strong enough that if you're just throwing an arm out there, he's running through it. And I just think 
a key play that just isn't talked as much about is that first run that Duke has after J.J. Sack, the Bills field goal, the kickoff. They start the, at the 25, and they give it to Duke on a power play in 25, in, uh, at the 25, and he picks up 10 yards on the first down. And that it's not big. just like 10 yards. It's how fast he got 10 yards. It was like, shoot, he just shot through a hole. Great drive starter. And it was per- it was perfect. And now the Chiefs are going to have to try and cover him. I, I think there are a couple things the Chiefs are going to have to come to grips with. And this is where I think the Chiefs defense, like, oh, let's talk about the Chiefs defense. I'm not going in. I went into that last night. I think, I think the Chiefs defense has gotten better. But to expect it to all of a sudden be the 85 Bears, which is so, which is what it seems like people want it to be, it's not. But with no Juan Thornhill, they've got a decision to make because they can play with Sorensen and Matthew at safety, and then put another linebacker on the field, expecting us to run. Well, if you're going to be in a base defense, even if we, you know if Fuller plays or whoever plays, if you you're going to check into something, you check in, you check into a pass play because now all of a sudden you got Sorensen out wide trying to cover one of these wide receivers. I'll take that all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Well, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, we need to take the linebacker out because they're going to abuse that. So let's put Armani Watts at safety and Sorensen at the other linebacker. Let's go ahead and do that. Well, here comes the run game. We're coming downhill at you when you got a safety at that other linebacker spot. So. That's where the Chiefs have got a decision to make. Are you going to live and die by nickel? Well, if you are, we're going to, we should pound you. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're stopping it, if they're in nickel with Sorensen at that nickel linebacker spot and Armani Watson the game at the other safety spot and they're stopping that, then we're going to have a long day. But I don't anticipate that, that happening. The Bills did that for a while. They stayed in nickel for a good, decent part of the game. And in staying in nickel, they slowed us down early. But then all of a sudden the run game got going. And then it was like, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to bring in your base, then we'll throw it. And I think it, I don't want to say it's that simple, but it, it can be personnel wise, how can we hurt you? You can start dealing. That's where you need to start dealing. So, Absolutely. So the other thing that sticks out to me, and I always I want to say that this doesn't have anything to do with anything, it's the history of the Chiefs and the history of Andy Reid. Yep. And difficulty that the Chiefs have had advancing in the postseason because last year was their first home playoff win since Methuselah. Right. Uh, you've had that. So what is the deal here with that kind of thing? I don't really think that has much to do with anything. And I want to believe that because for the Texans, they will be going on the road for the divisional round. Mm-hmm. And they've done it three times before and they haven't been able to advance. Right. So I want to say that history can be bucked, right? You can change the trend, change what's happened in the past. Right. Because what do these guys have to do with even 2016, but especially 2012 and yeah, 2011? Yeah, I mean, enough. my gosh. I mean, you have J.J. Watt, right, from those teams. Yeah. You have Jonathan Joseph. You have some Weeksy. connection here. Weeksy, you have yeah. Whitney Merciless was on the 2012 team. True. And, yeah, Weeks, of course. But really, really, is that a franchise thing? Is that, no. you know, like when the Red Sox hadn't won a World Series since 1918, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was Johnny Damon's fault. Right, and, you know? <laughs> and you know, obviously baseball, especially around pre-free agency, had yeah. a lot of uh, longevity with these players on one single club. But the, my point is this. Does it have anything to do with anything? I don't know. Uh, but with Andy Reid, he's a really good coach. And you know what I love about him? He played for Lavelle Edwards at BYU. Yeah. And if you talk to people at BYU, Lavelle Edwards invented football practically. Yep. I mean, not quite, but. West Coast Close offense enough. and all these innovations in the game and, and everything he's meant. And I love that he comes from that lineage, but I don't like it this weekend. And I'd like to see the Chiefs go home for summer vacation. Thank you. I, I would too. 
here's the nugget that I thought about earlier. And I actually asked you about this yesterday off the air. We were talking about this. In 11, 12, and 16, we played each of the division round. Like when we got to the division round, Mm -hmm. the same result in season and in the playoff game. Right. Lost at Baltimore in regular season, lost at Baltimore division round. 2012, lost at New England regular season, lost at New England division round. Mm hmm. 2016, lost at New England, regular season, lost at New England, division round. 2019, won at Kansas City. And I here mean, you go. And there's also symmetry, too. Because and then you have the one 2 2 thing going on also. You got that. And then also in 2011, when you beat Cincinnati, you turn mm-hmm. around and beat Cincinnati again in the playoffs. Ooh. So there's a lot of symmetry that goes on Yeah. in the Texans' Postseason. Yes, in the mm-hmm. Texans postseason. Very much so. Now, I can't remember. Did we face the Bengals in 2012? No, you didn't. We yeah, did. So, that, so that, that's out. Now, the Raiders was different. That was the only one that was different in 2016 because you lost in Mexico City, but you turned around and beat them in the playoff game. But the divisional round. Okay, the divisional round holds. The divisional round holds. Oh, and, you blew it with the Raiders, though. I know. I just thought about it. But that said, all but it was eight Connor games Cook. were on the road. All eight games, 2011, 2012, 2016, 2019, all those were regular season games on the road, and they right. were all road division around yep. playoff games. Yep. At some point, you got to play this game here. I mean, I think, the, and that's what Kubiak and company said after yep. they lost both of those games, which is you have to find a way to play it at home. Yeah. You got to play this weekend at home if you possibly can, and that's something that's out there for this team. That's a goal to achieve next year yeah. to be able to play in this round. You skip around. And then you get to play this weekend at home yeah. with a full plate of rest. And then you go from there. Because obviously it's difficult. You've just played last week. I think the good thing for the Texans is they played Saturday. They get that extra day of rest. Yep. That's a good thing. Huge thing. Maybe they get fuller back. You know, Maybe they get whatever they get. Yeah. So uh, let's just see how it plays out. I just think that too many people, we talked about the Vegas line and some of the national scribes and everything and how they're saying, well, come on. I, I just don't see – I see it as a close game. I see it yeah. as a fourth-quarter game once again for this team, and they're going to have to find a way to make plays and get over the hump in that final frame. Yeah, and they've been a second-half team. Obviously, last week they proved that. They've been a second-half team all year. They've been a fourth-quarter team all year. So if this thing is close at halftime, if you're Andy Reid, you got to be thinking, oh, boy, that's, that's not going to be great. And all of a sudden they start getting – I felt like in the fourth quarter of the game in week six – all of a sudden, this high fluting offense, throwing the ball down the field and doing all these different things, and then all of a sudden, on second and 14, they hand it to Shady McCoy? Yeah. Like, what's – whoa, wait a second. What? I are, liked what that play. Doing? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It was playing right into our strengths. What do you think the weather has anything to do with? Uh, I think special teams maybe, and we talked about that yeah. with Coach O'Brien. Uh, I think it affects that because, look, I'm not saying I want to kick off to Hardman anyway. Mm-hmm. But now I I might have to if the wind's coming from that direction. Yeah, the true. wind's going to gust up to 17, 20 miles per hour. That's significant. You know, you might not be able to bang a kick out of the back of the end zone in one direction. Right. So you might have to kick off to him. So be ready. Those plays are going to be significant in this game. Yeah, and Kansas City's always had good special teams, but the Texans cover units have been absolutely phenomenal this year, and hopefully they will stay that way. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. There it is. Mark Vandermeer joining me on the show. Coming up, there are three other playoff games this weekend. How do I see them straight up and against the spread? We'll talk about that next right here in Texas All Access. It's time to go behind enemy sidelines with our good friend D.P. Sidhu. 
who caught up with Josh Briscoe, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City, and also of The Athletic. DP, floor's yours. Joshua, we spoke in week six. Welcome back. How's it going? At this point, it's going great, and I'm just going to pencil in that I'm going to talk to you twice a year for the rest of the time. That sounds great. It's funny. You should be very relaxed coming off the bye. I think that without having a game last week, what did you guys talk about a week on the radio? Oh, just nothing at all. We, we looked ahead to baseball season, <laughs> basically. No, no, it's been it's been wild, and, and especially with everything partially thanks to you guys that happened over the weekend. Uh, just so much good football this weekend. And then looking ahead for the Chiefs, the, the bye week came at a very good time. I mean, it, it always does. Like, to get that first-round bye was, was huge. And it also comes with the Patriots falling on their face, and then they lose the home twice in a row to two quarterbacks named Ryan. That was apparently the secret the whole time. <laughs> had to have a quarterback playing in Foxborough named Ryan. That, that was, that was the, the secret sauce. So uh, we've, had, we've had plenty to talk about all year long, obviously. And uh, this is this is finally kind of everything getting very, very real. And it happened against the Texans. Feels right. Well, I think that week 17 mood probably was the best in Kansas City with the way the end of the season shook out the the Chiefs beating the Chargers at home. And then, of course, the Patriots losing the Dolphins and then Kansas City earning a first round bye, which maybe they weren't expecting. But has the mood of the city settled down a little bit in the last few weeks? How did Andy Reid handle the bye week with the players? Well, yeah, the mood was, was incredible. But I, I also do think, and it certainly wasn't expected because you needed Brian Fitzpatrick to go into Foxborough. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think that, that the bye week might be, might be more impactful for an Andy Reid team than just about anybody else. He's been so exceptional coming off of buys for his entire career, and he's struggled on shorter weeks more than he usually does. You know, struggle is probably uh, a strong word, but um, I, think it, I think it's really, really important, and, and I imagine that he spent this, this week doing a lot of looking ahead to the three potential opponents that they had last week. It was, it was pretty light work out at Arrowhead. Uh, we, we didn't even have, you know, full practices of media availability and all of that last week. Um, now, obviously, it's kicked back into gear. But I imagine that Andy Reid spent that with a lot of time looking forward and a lot of guys trying to get healthy and just fully rest up before this matchup. All right, Andy Reid, he's coached this team to four straight AFC West titles, playoffs in six of the last seven seasons. But what do you think makes this 2019 team and season so different from all the others? I mean, I think I think it's twofold. The one that I actually think is less important is the rest of the AFC. I mean, like this is the first time in a thousand years, other than the Joe Flacco year, that doesn't have uh, Manning, Roethlisberger, or Brady in the AFC Championship game. And we know that after one week of football, like that's football, playoff football. So that's crazy. Um, and, and so the changing of the guard there, I, I think, is just honestly fascinating. Um, but the biggest thing this year is that the defense is actually good. Um, it, the, the Texans gave the Chiefs one of their, their toughest early season matchups. But ever ever since then, and really throughout the season as a whole, the defense has been steadily improving. They brought in Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator this offseason after firing Bob Sutton. And Spagnuolo has been excellent. The diversity and what he has done with this defense and the way that it's changed, the way he has tinkered and evolved everything um, has been just top shelf. And they, they also brought in a lot of, of different personnel um, defensively last offseason from here. The, the biggest thing, though, by the way, defensively from the last Texans game, the Chiefs didn't have Chris Jones. 
They didn't have Anthony Hitchens. Hitchens is, is less of a, of a play-by-play impact guy than Chris Jones is, but, but he's the, the linebacker that sets every, everything up there. Obviously, Tyron Matthew this offseason, hugely, hugely important not to rub anything in. But uh, like, I really appreciate Houston not being able to lock him up because he has been enormous for the Chiefs this year. So the, the defensive overhaul has to be the first thing. Um, because it's the most different, and it's been not just not bad, it's been really good. Yeah, I'll get to Tyron Matthew in a bit, and I we do miss him around here and seeing what he's been able to do in Kansas City. It's really outstanding. Uh, you mentioned something that Bill O'Brien actually talked about in his press conference this week, that this Kansas City team is actually very different than the one the Texans played in Week 6. It's changed so much, and I think one of the factors also, Patrick Mahomes wasn't 100% healthy the first time the Texans played him, so... He finishes the 27, 2017, 2019 season, first in the AFC in passing yards, second in the AFC in points per game. When did he sort of get over that hump in the middle of the season? What was the catalyst to his turnaround? Was it just overcoming the injury, Was it, or was it something else? Well, so the, the week after the Texans game, they go to Denver, and he has that kneecap dislocation of just unbelievably horrifying. Um, so that happens. He misses a few games. As far as the ankle injury goes, the ankle injury seems to have cleared up while he was out with the knee injury on the other leg. And then he comes back from that, plays pretty well. Um, they, they play in Mexico. They get the bye week and all that. So I, I never – there was never a moment, for me at least, where I was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes might be regressing here. He might be getting worse. That's never been the case. Um, but he got hurt in week one. With the ankle got rolled up on against the Jags. Since then, it really was a matter of how healthy is he – he had the hand injury pop up um, a couple of weeks back. So really, I, it, it truly has just been him getting fully healthy and being able to look like Patrick Mahomes again. And even as the offense has been a little bit different than it was in the, you know, complete like Armageddon mode that it was last year, he has still been excellent. He's healthy now. Another reason the bye week is just always the best in this spot. Um, so it, it's all good news for Patrick Mahomes at this point. I know towards the end of the season, the Chiefs, they claimed pass rusher Terrell Suggs off waivers, uh, which seemed like it worked out really, really well for the Chiefs. How quickly was he able to fit into that system, and how has his addition helped the defense? He stepped in pretty quickly. Like that first week, he got a good amount of snaps. He's, he's helped in a big way, um, but, but probably the, the most important part of that is, is going to involve some names that a lot of people nationally aren't super familiar with. Um, Emmanuel Agba, the former Browns defensive end, was playing really well. He tore his pec and was out for the year. Then uh, a few weeks later, Alex Okafor, uh, former Saints defensive end, brought in this offseason as well, tore his pec and was out for the year. Um, so the, the defensive end spot was getting was getting thinner and thinner and thinner. They lost Breland Speaks back in the, the preseason. Um, so, so they were down three – like starting or at least highly rotational defensive ends. And so whenever Suggs became available, um, it was it was a surprise for me whenever they claimed him. But immediately after they did, I thought, well, that shouldn't have been a surprise. He's a positional fit. He's here on a team that, that has very real Super Bowl aspirations. And, uh, and, and he's stepped in, and everybody in the locker room has immense respect for him. Frank Clark wears number 55 for Terrell Suggs or because of Terrell Suggs. So it seems like on, on every level, it was sort of a no-brainer that also nobody was really expecting around here. All right, Travis Kelsey, the Texans remember him well 
from the last few times they've had to play him. He finished with his fourth straight 1,000-yard season. He actually finished with more receiving yards than DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, how impressed are you with what he's able to do still this many years in the league, and, and especially as a tight end? He's an alien. Like, seriously. I mean, it, it, what he does at that position is, I mean, there are a handful of guys you can point to now in the league, but it, it is such a rare talent, and it's such a matchup problem. Because everything that any defense can try to do, if you if you give any one guy the Travis Kelsey responsibility, he is going to fail a high percentage of the time. And so you have to pay more attention to him. Um, the Patriots, especially these last couple of years, um, were famous. Or one of the assistant coaches said that, that they, if they could put Kelsey out wide and they would have a defensive end follow him out there just to chip him at the line up on the sideline. Like, they were going to rattle him around, and, and teams have done a ton of that to Kelsey. Um, and he's still super productive, but whenever you pay all that attention to him, somebody else opens it up. And the Chiefs just have too many weapons for any one guy to get all of the attention, and, and Kelsey demands as much of that as anybody. Yeah, and obviously Tyreek Hill, he cut the two touchdown passes um, in week six against the Texans. What about him? How much does his presence change how that Chiefs offense is run? You, there's, there's a chunk of the last of the Travis Kelsey answer I just gave, but you could copy and paste for Hill. Uh, but obviously, the, the way he does it is specifically very different. Um, he is. I don't want to like just be hyperbolic, but I, I really think that he is one of the most difficult assignments in football because. It's such crazy speed paired with his route running consistently improving over the years. And uh, and he's actually, like, weirdly good for kind of a short receiver at high-pointing a ball and, and being able to make a contested catch. Like, he is he is the full package as number one receiver. And then, again, you, you, you just pair him up with all of the issues with Travis Kelsey or now the, um, the slow but steady, I guess, uh, reveal of McCole Hardman just insanely, insanely fast and insanely talented. Still from the edges, he's a rookie. But with all of those weapons all working together, each of those guys individually is a huge pain for a defense. But all of them together, it is. I mean, it's it's completely overwhelming. And so, if you're going to do any any amount of sort of critiquing the offense, you could look and, and actually make the argument that over these last few weeks. They could have been even more productive with this whole group. Um, they, they've also won these last several games by a pretty good margin and put up a decent number of points. So, again, not quite the, the death star that it was last year, but all the talent still being there. Um, I, I expect it to continue being very high firepower draft playoffs. All right, let's get back to Tyron Matthew. He was named AP first team All Pros defensive back, and then second team. He had a second team nod as a safety. Obviously, the Texans are very familiar with Matthew. He was he was a team captain here, even in his one season with the Texans. But how big of a role is he playing out there in KC on that defense? Um, back on uh, on Monday, I was I was talking to a handful of the other reporters in the in the Chiefs media room. And I was joking about how, you know, every every two weeks, somebody writes a big article about how impactful Tyron Matthew was to step in and, and pull the whole defense together, not just on the field, but also off the field. And um, I, I it, it's kind of a joke, but it's also true. And it's also been justified. Like I, I think he's been the most important player on this defense this year. And I don't know how close it is. He's been exceptional in that role. He's a Steve Spagnuolo must just love him 
because of all the things he can do, not just as like a stopgap or anything, but the things that he can do whenever he's essentially weaponized. Like, hey, Tyron, we'll figure out everything that's going on around you. Help us make sure we're in the right spot. And then you do whatever you whatever whatever creates the, the biggest problem for the offense on a play-by-play basis. He's all over the field, and it seems like he's just about always in the right spot. So that's been huge. The other thing, and actually, I don't. He may have done this in Houston, uh, but uh, this is very inside media. But whenever, uh, whenever Matthew or whenever the Chiefs have uh, their coordinators talk midweek, uh, very frequently they will also have Tyron Matthew come out out to the podium and and address the the, the media like only Patrick Mahomes does as far as as quarterbacks. It's coaches and Mahomes, and then something every other week or so it's Tyron Matthew. He's literally become a voice for this defense, not just privately but also publicly um and and i think that just goes to show how much faith the organization has in him how much he returns back to the team and uh and and how unbelievably impactful he's been on this defense this year tremendous stuff there from dp and joshua briscoe sports radio 810 and the athletic in kansas city we get back it's time for our players segment we're going to hear drew doherty's final word and a little something to get you hype for sunday we'll do all that next on texans all access we have one final segment of Texans All Access on this Friday evening. Hopefully you all are safe, dry. We're thinking about you guys. Uh, those those Texans to the north of us that it looks like the weather was supposed to be really, really bad. Hopefully you guys are hanging in there and be safe. Be careful. And we're thinking about you. No doubt about that. All right. We are getting into the home stretch. As we get into the home stretch, we got the Kansas City Chiefs. On the horizon, we will take off tomorrow for Kansas City and be ready for the game 2.05 Sunday from Arrowhead Stadium. Now, typically in this segment, on a Friday, it's a player's segment. We got a number of different things that we like to do. Now, once we got into the playoffs, we don't have player reporter brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rtsecoolers.com. Arctic coolers overbuilt, not overpriced. So we don't get a chance to kind of dive in to some of those things that we like to do with our players that our players like to do, like, you know, B-Scar TV, those kind of things. But we did have a final word this week with Drew Doherty. And this week, it is all-important safety, Justin Reed. This is the first time you've played in a second playoff game in a season. Let's rewind a bit. What was last week like after having been through a playoff experience your rookie season? Shoot, after digging ourselves out of that hole in the first half and coming out in the second half, and we finally got that spark going and things just started to click and we got on a little bit of a roll, feeling was just amazing, especially when the crowd started getting into it more. There's one point at the end of the fourth quarter. I think that might have been the loudest I've ever heard NRG Stadium be. Same. You know, so it was just, it was really cool experience, very special. But I'm looking forward to the game this weekend because it'll be even more special be able to take this organization to where it's never been before, being in the AFC Championship and beyond. And how much do you think you learned from that first playoff game that you played when you were a rookie? Because it wasn't just your first playoff game. It was Deshaun Watson's and a, and a bunch of other guys, too. Yeah, just, I think what we learned from that lesson was just about how you come out fast. And 
Well, that was the same thing last week. We wanted to be able to just come out a little bit faster, play a full 60-minute game. We were able to dig ourselves out last week. But this week, we want to start the finish, live up to our potential because we have all the talent in the world. We just want to be able to use it the right way and be able to, to play that full game. Yeah, it's a good point you make because while you guys came back from so much and were able to do so much offensively and defensively, I don't think anyone was surprised by it because they know that they've seen you guys do these things before. But with all that in mind, did you learn anything about your teammates, about this squad? Yeah, it's kind of the same of, of what I've just seen early in the year because this is my first time coming back. It's like this team has grit. It has fight. The guys here, we're all committed to to winning here in organization. And we saw guys step up, make plays, do block two people on a run play for the two-point conversion. So we know we have guys that we can rely on to make plays. We just need to continue to be consistent about it. What's that like when you've got guys on the other side of the ball doing stuff like that? Because everyone knows about Deshaun's. You're pointing out a little bit more obscure, great feat. Taiwan Jones, somebody who on special mm-hmm. teams with you has done great things all season long. Guys all across the board stepped up and did those those little miraculous jobs, didn't they? Well, yeah, the, the game of football in the league is, you know, it's really about momentum. And when you're able to see the offensive guys do their thing, that feeds into the defense. Whenever we go out on the streets, like, okay, our offense just did that. We got to lock up. We got to shove. We got to get a three and out. We got to get a turnover. And it's the same thing for us. When offense watches us go out and we're balling out and having fun on the field, that energy feeds into them. And, again, with special teams, that feeds into both offense and defense. So whenever you're able to have that spark and guys make some plays, it really is like a snowball effect, like a domino effect where – That'll feed into other guys, juicing them up, and then the whole team will start making plays. All right, let's talk about the task at hand. Patrick Mahomes, you know all about him. You saw him one time already. Is there anything different about him October versus January, though? I still think he's a very special player. Obviously, they're going to do some things differently from the first game, just like we're going to do some things differently. But for the most part, I think he's still the same special guy. He can get out of the pocket, very mobile, can make all the throws. Sometimes we'll throw in a little bit of trickery, whether he wants to look at a receiver or not, who he's throwing to, but a very special talent. How tough is that, what you just mentioned, when a guy's looking at one spot and throwing it to another? That's all about eye control. You just really want to be on your man, not fall asleep, not let him lull asleep, just because he's not necessarily looking my way, that I'm going to relax and let this receiver get any space. You just really have to be tight on your guy the whole time and use that to your advantage because if he's doing that that might throw off his accuracy a little bit you might be able to cause a turnover off of it you use the word special describing him i think that's entirely appropriate i think it's also appropriate to apply that to travis kelsey tyree kill he's got some weapons does mahomes at his disposal doesn't he yeah kansas city offense has a lot of firepower to it the same way that our offense has a lot of firepower to it so i think that's what make a, a special battle and to see which defense is going to really step up to the challenge hey back at the back end with you there's been some injuries and we saw mike adams come into the game what's that been like playing alongside a guy who you knew a little bit about because of his history with your brother in, in carolina yeah. What's it been like having him in the lineup? Because he basically played as many snaps in the playoff game as he'd done all season long combined. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take him, a guy like that, many snaps to adjust, though. Because he's already been in the league 16 years. That was a nice part about it. He's already played a lot of ball, has a lot of knowledge under his belt. So it's not like there's that same adjustment period whenever he needed to come on the field. He's already played all the coverages that we've played throughout his history. So I think he adjusted well, came in, made that big TFL right when he got on the field. The guy can still come in and make plays for us is what we need. What about the crowd at Arrowhead Stadium? Now, you mentioned how loud it was here at NRG Stadium, and for the record, I'm with you. I've never heard the stadium louder. I've worked here for 11 seasons. I think it only compares with what the Texans and what you guys went through in the Superdome in Week 1 as far as decibel level. But what is it like at Arrowhead when you played 
Arrowhead is also very electric. It was very loud the first time that we went, but I'm sure it being a playoff atmosphere now that it's going to be even more electric. And really, I'm looking forward to it because I love stadiums like that, just like I love when we play here. But I love the electric atmosphere. It really just makes the game more special. Yeah, I just asked you a question about stadium noise, and you're probably not even going to experience it because you'll be on the field when it's quiet. So yeah. let's put an addendum on that. What does that mean? I've talked with J.J. Watt about this. He said it's kind of fun when you're sitting on the sidelines and the offense is on the field and you can see the Gatorade cups vibrating. Oh, yeah. So what's the deal with that? Yeah, I remember when we were in New Orleans. Like I would have a conversation from as far as when I'm sitting from me to you and I couldn't hear the dude that I was talking to. You know what I mean? You had to lead in close. So it's just a special experience because it's not very often you get to be in atmospheres like that. I mean, when we were on the field last week in our own stadium, we got a bunch of hand signals and stuff. That's what we use to communicate, and you're so locked in the game, you don't think about it. But when you're on the sideline, you'll get a chance to actually kind of enjoy it and take in the atmosphere and kind of look around you and just have an appreciation just for the environment and the game you're playing and for where you're at. Justin Reed, appreciate the time. Best of luck Sunday and beyond. No problem. Thank you, guys. Can't wait to see what Jay Reed does on Sunday. You're talking to him after the game the first time at Arrowhead. He was so frustrated because he felt like he had two, maybe even three interceptions, and he was wearing that brace on his shoulder, and he just felt like, man, the ball to Tyreek Hill early on in the game, he said that would have been an interception, but Tyreek was able to jump up over him because he couldn't really reach up with that harness. And then later in the game, he actually picked off Patrick Mahomes on the sideline but he just missed getting the second foot down. I actually thought he had gotten it in. And then when I saw it on replay, I was like, oh, I think he got it in. But they ended up not reviewing it. Coach did not throw the challenge flag. But Justin Reed was a instrumental figure in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs the first time. Now, he becomes even more important because of what we spoke about earlier about the safety situation with – to Sean Gibson having already gone to IR. So you know he's not going to be available for this game and for the rest of the playoffs. Jalil Adai, unfortunately, went down with an injury in that game against the Buffalo Bills, kind of got rolled up. I think it was in the first half, maybe in the second, can't remember, but I know he got rolled up, and he is questionable with a knee. Now, in that game... Mike Adams came in at safety and did a really nice job, but I'd much rather have as many of those pieces at safety back in the lineup that you can go to Adams and to die and Reed and AJ Moore, and you've got everybody ready to go as opposed to, man, we got to roll with Reed, Adams, and then AJ if something happens and uh, keep our fingers crossed that something doesn't happen. But we'll see about Jalil. But he did not come in that, come back in that game against Buffalo, and hopefully he's ready to go because we we definitely miss him. But if Mike Adams has got to go at safety, live with it. But Justin becomes a very key figure in the back with the injuries that they've had at that particular position. Okay, let's get to something that I I saw this the first week we did this against the Buffalo Bills. And when I say we, I mean – our broadcast digital department. My man, Tyler Sudarth, came up with this idea to do a hype video, and he does a good majority of them, but he wanted to come up with something special for the playoffs. And so he, with some help of some others, enlisted the help of Simone Biles, Akeem Olajuwon, Jose Altuve, and they put together an unbelievable hype video. I mean, unbelievable. I saw that thing 
And when Jose Altuve pops on the screen and then they show, you know, Suds cuts to his game-winning home run against the Yankees that sent the Astros to the World Series, I'm like, lump in my throat. Oh, my God. So we wanted to keep that vision alive, if you will. And so we went back to it this week. Now, we didn't have Simone or Dream or Jose Altuve, but we did go and find a couple other Hall of Famers in the form of Clyde Drexler and Craig Biggio. Take a listen to this. This will get you hyped for Sunday. We told you we were driven. Lowers the shoulder and Rock and roll. We told you we were inspired. How great do you want to be? J.J. Watt. And then we showed you exactly what we meant. Deshaun Watson magical to the 10-yard line. Taiwan Jones. We were third and 18, but we are resilient. And Johnson is going to make the most of it. We were down, but we are not out. And it's good. We are in this together. And we were not done. Now, I understand radio. I know you can't see it, but there was enough great audio there that you can get a feel for it. Now, if you haven't seen it, get to our Twitter page, get to HoustonTexas.com, and go find that hype video. It will have you so ch- – I'm telling you, watch that thing at 2 o'clock, you know, five minutes before the game starts, and you will be bouncing off the walls. I, I've got to be careful because if I'm bouncing off the walls before the game – I mean, it, it's, it's not good. I can't complete a coherent thought. I've got to make sure I got it under control. But I'm telling you, that thing will have you hype for days, hours. Man, I cannot wait. Sunday, 205, Arrowhead Stadium, one of the more difficult places to win a game. Andy Reid is tremendous off a of bye week. They won a division around last year beating an AFC South opponent. That was the Indianapolis Colts. It's a whole different animal. It could be snow on the ground. It could be cold. There could be a lot of things in this game that make it difficult to go get a W. But after last week and playing the Buffalo Bills, let's go do this. Nine and a half point underdog. Nobody thinks you're going to win. 85% of the country is like, sign it up for the Chiefs. I'm all about feeding the entire country a big old bleep burger if you're with me. Let's go get this W against the Chiefs and then get ready for the first ever Texans AFC Championship game. Let's go make that happen. Thank you so much to everybody who participated on the show. My guys back at Sports Radio 610. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.